We're going to be talking about that. Let me open up my word here. And we're going to be over in Luke 14. And we're going to be talking about counting the cost. But in talking about the counting of the cost, we're going to be talking about planning. Because this is our month to plan. But see, we put the plan together with enough flexibility that the Holy Spirit can take over and do what he's going to do. Think about it. Battles are won and lost in the flexibility of plans. They just are. Thank you. They are won or lost in the flexibility of plans. I'll give you a case in point. On D-Day, when the invasion of, of Normandy was happening, they had a plan, a brilliant plan, to invade France, to bring our boys ashore so that we could finally decimate the Nazis. However, things changed as the boys were going to shore. General Roosevelt, not President Roosevelt, this was his cousin, General Roosevelt, Teddy's boy, crippled with arthritis, had to use two canes to get around. Went with one cane because he was getting to storm Normandy with his boys. Stood on a jeep with bullets flying around him, changing the way they were coming ashore because how the enemy was firing on the shore and saved lives and not one bullet hit him. Because he believed in the providence of God that if it's my time and God wants me home, it doesn't matter if I'm hiding behind a rock or standing on this jeep, the bullet's going to find me. But if God has more for me to do, not one bullet's going to touch me. That was the kind of faith he had. A man who wanted to be president stood on Normandy's beach, his last big job as a general in the field. Think about that. And this was a man who was a hero during World War I. We're going to talk about counting the cost. Let's look at counting, count the cost of discipleship. Verse 27 says in Luke 14, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Hmm. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Disciple. Wow, but what? We hear that and we go, yeah, let's do it. I can bear my cross. <laughs> but what does that look like? We got to back up one verse. Let's see that. What does it look like? Luke 26, Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not, ooh, this is, this is harsh. This is harsh does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. I'm putting all those ands in there to put emphasis. 
Yes, and his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. Now that sounds harsh, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Boy, I, I, I'm, I'm Jesus. I'm walking up to Robin. And I say to her, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to hate every one of your kids. You've got to hate your husband. You've got to hate your mama. That's harsh, isn't it? But you know what the Lord is telling us? What Jesus is saying in this verse, you must put God first above all. Think about that. You must put God first above all. You must be obedient to this above all. But I love her. Do you love her more than you love Jesus? then you're not a disciple of his. That was the problem with Adam and Eve. Eve goes ahead and walks up to the tree, talks with the snake, she bites into the fruit, she turns around and she bats her eyes at her husband. What does he do? Who did he love more? Did he love his father, his heavenly father more? Or did he love that wife of his more? What did he do? He immediately, he stood there and not, and what kind of love, I mean, what kind of love does this guy have? Now think about it. The devil's telling her through the snake, it's okay to eat this thing. Now what did God tell Adam? Adam was told, this is your wife, protect her. If he was loving her the right way, he would have said, shut up, snake, because he had dominion over snake. Shut up, snake. You don't know what you're talking about. You're an idiot. Because I heard from my father directly, don't eat of it. He never said touch. But look at this. I'm not dying, dummy. He said, don't eat of it, or I'll be in trouble. And wife, don't listen to him. He's an idiot. He's a snake. We're the top of the, we're the, top of the heap here. We have dominion. You're the queen. I'm the king. they got to listen to us. What does he do? Oh, honey, you look good. And then they looked at each other and said, ah, we're naked. Who told you you were naked? Um, we sinned. Oh, stupid Adam and Eve. Can you imagine what our marriages would be like if it wasn't for them? Oh my word, we wouldn't be worried about being naked. We'd just be naked with each other. Think about it. We wouldn't have nothing to hide. <laughs> yeah, I went there. And by the way, young people, the only one you're supposed to be naked with is your spouse. All right, let's go on. But we must, uh, we must go ahead and put God first above all. And that's what Jesus is saying there. And then he says, here's the cost of being my disciple. You've got to take up your cross and follow me. Now, nowhere does he say, you've got to take up your cross and get nailed to it. No, he never said that, did he? He just said, take up your cross, the, the thing you're supposed to do, and follow me. The reason why he calls it a cross is because it's not always easy to follow Jesus, is it? 
There is opposition at times to following Jesus. Some people will ridicule you because you follow Jesus. Listen, my friends, we got to understand, we better start counting the cost of following the Lord because this country, in the next 10 years, can make a complete change that we never recognize this country again. God's given us a time of grace. But one of the parties, the majority of their party, has decided that they rather have communism than a republic. Oh, who says that? When you hear them talking about socialism, the way they're applying it, it's actually communism. Communism has never worked. Ask, it has never. It's always been a complete failure. Here's the problem with socialism. Eventually, you're going to run out of somebody else's money and there'll be nothing left. Mm, think about that. Socialism says you can own property, but you can't control it because we'll do that for you. Communism says you can't have any property because it all belongs to the state. And that's the only difference between the two. But ask the Christians in China how they're faring under communism. It's not a panacea. You can be walking out down the street getting, or getting ready to board an airplane, secret police come up to you, put a gun to the back of your head, pull the trigger, and then it's not called murder. They are just el el eliminating problems. Try speaking up against, and oh, don't, oh. Try getting mad at your government and marching in the street and saying, we hate you. Don't work there. You, most of you kids were too young to remember this. But there was a time when it happened in China in Tiananmen Square. Young man about uh, Jeremy's age, or maybe a little younger. Bold, brave, patriot, wanting to see better for his people, standing there protesting. And they bring the army in with their tanks. And they pulled that tank right up to him, pulled the barrel of the cannon down and pointed it right at his head. You know what? If you don't like your government here, you can scream, you can march, and nobody's going to shoot you for it. You can act like an idiot in our country, and nobody's going to shoot you for it. And if they do, they're going to prison. Because they should. Because one of the God-given gifts that we have in this nation is freedom of speech because we have freedom of religion. Do you know that all of our freedoms we have come out of the fact that we have freedom of the religion? Why do you think they put it in number one? Freedom of speech comes right with it, and then freedom of the press. Get rid of freedom of religion, you don't have freedom of the press anymore. It's just how, it all, it's a domino effect. So we're going to have to start counting the cost. What is it going to look like? What is it going to look like? If our country changes, it changes. And we don't get down about it. You know what? It's just going to make it more challenging to be Christians. And we still have the same mandate from the Lord. Go out and reproduce yourself. It's never changed from the very beginning. Go out and reproduce. How do Christians reproduce themselves, though? They get other people saved. And so we're just going to have to continue doing it. We're going to have to continue loving people. 
We're going to have to do, my word, we're going to have to do a better job than we do right now. Oh, let us pray for a moment. Lord Jesus, I thank you and praise you for this word today. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to help us to plan. That you're going to help us to plan. And you're going to help us, Lord, to see people come to Christ. And you're going to help us make a difference in our community. We praise you for this and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, for your anointing that's here today. Holy Spirit, help us to be always aware of you, to go in the direction you would have us go in. In Jesus' name, amen. And, and, and please, don't, let's not get offended easily. You know being offended easily is from the devil? Because when the Holy Spirit takes over and he wants us to go in a different direction than what we've we're supposed, we thought we were going that day because we planned with our own minds our best that we could, and then we come say, Lord, take over our service. You know the thing is, in the, in the book of Acts, 90% of everything that they did in church was directed by the Holy Spirit. Today, in, 19, in 2018, I almost said 19, 2018, 2018, we only do 10% of letting the Holy Spirit run things, and the, 90, the other 90% is usually man running everything. We gotta get back to the, old, the New Testament way church is supposed to be done. Things go better, change it. Things go better when you have a plan. Things go better when you have a plan. Now, now think about it. Timey and our VBS team, our family life team, Spent some time, and they had, a, they had a condensed time. They didn't have as much time as they normally do. They had to really plan everything so that vacation Bible school would go well. That didn't just happen. Um, they, they didn't walk in and just sneeze and everything popped up. The decorations were done. The, the forms were printed. And um, wouldn't that be marvelous? You just go, hot-choo, and it's all up. goes right from your mind, out your nostrils, but then it'd be kind of slimy. Uh, it took planning. It took effort. And you know what we found? We had one of the best VBSs we've had in years that the Lord helped us put the right person in charge this last year. It started with that. And, and God went ahead, and he said, but I had a helper. You know what, when Robin had been in charge, you had a helper. When Jason had been in charge, you had to help him. It works better that way because we're a family. And so part of our planning is we work together. But everything goes better when you have a plan. I, I told you a few weeks ago, King David, when he first came king, he has to go up and fight the enemy. God says, let's get together, boy. And they came up with a plan. You get the army here and you get the army over here and you wait for them to start attacking. But you don't attack back. You don't, you don't send the troops in until you hear me make the sound of the wind in those mulberry trees over there. And as soon as you hear the rustling of those leaves, send the, send the armies in. You first start with the frontal attack and then bring in the boys from the, 
from the flank and they won the day why because David and and God got together and planned and then David took that plan and he told his generals this is how it's going to go and you wait for the signal and when you hear that signal attack David also knew that a plan could go well when he he killed one of his good friends remember See, most people don't remember that. Bathsheba's husband that he had killed was one of his friends. He is actually written up in the Hall of Fame for the Israeli armies. He was one of David's buddies. He was one of his friends. And he had him killed because David couldn't keep his hands off his woman. And David repented. He had the consequence for his sin. And he remained a man after God's own heart. Go to 1 Samuel or 2 Samuel, and you'll read about the story there, David and Bathsheba, if you don't know the story. So let's look at plan. Jesus tells us, because a plan is a good thing to have, Jesus tells us, for which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and what? Count the cost. Whether he has enough to finish it. Hmm. We got a plan, don't we? We got to figure it out. Having a plan, according to Jesus, then, is a good thing. It's a good thing. And that's why we, Jason and I were talking. He's very excited about a lot of things right now. Yes. He's excited about next year Vacation Bible School because how well this Vacation Bible School went. And he's going, yeah, I want to do that again. That was so much fun. <laughs> Let's do it again. And he's so excited about it. But we have Awana coming up. Yep. Well, I already planned for that. But you haven't disseminated the plan amongst the generals. You haven't gotten it to your lieutenants and your sergeants and your, your, your uh, corporals and your privates. You need to get the plan down to everyone so they know what we're doing. Because Vacation Bible School, we don't have to actually start anything, which you can now, I don't care, but we don't have to start anything until January. Right. But our next big offensive in this war against the devil is Awana. And it's coming up soon because September's right around the corner. And we got a plan. And we got to work towards it. We got we to work towards all those families who sent their children here to bring them back. Let's, let's, look, at the, let's look at the next slide. Let's look at the next slide. Because I already said that. Okay. Listen. This is Jesus talking. But I'm going I'm to make it real simple for you. If you do not work the plan. God gives you a plan. But if you don't work the plan. It is nothing but a dream. If you don't work the plan. It is nothing but a dream. If you don't. Work the vision that God gives you. It's nothing but a dream. Let's see what Jesus says here. 
Lest after he has laid the foundation, if you don't plan it out first, lest after he has laid the foundation is, and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to mock. Ooh. None of us here like being mocked, do we? Oh, no. My word. None of us liked that when we were in grade school. Remember? Nobody liked it in high school either. You look funny, you act funny, and your mama dresses you funny. I, my mama hasn't dressed me for years. Well, then you really have a problem. Nobody likes being mocked like that, do, do they? I don't. None of us like being mocked. My word. That's why we were so glad Alice got saved, because, boy, she used to mock poor Jason so terribly. <laughs> oh, she'd come to church and just act awful. And then one day she got saved. And you know what? It took her a while through discipleship to change her <laughs> attitude, didn't it? <laughs> now, it's, now she's just known to be the annoying girl. That's what she was called. It. One of the kids says, is that annoying girl coming out again? Anyway... <laughs> during vacation Bible school. Those who, those who don't attend here, you need to come and meet Alice. She is a hoot. Um, and then this man began to build and was not able to finish. Uh-oh. He didn't plan. So now he lay, he's not able to go beyond the foundation. Um, he's not able to finish. Um, that's not a good thing, is it? He should have planned it all out, especially with the Lord's help, and he would have finished the job, wouldn't he have? Or, here's a bigger one with the ramifications. Or what king going to war, to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Okay, you better know that if all you got is 10,000 troops, that you're going to be able to defeat the guy with twice as many. Right? <laughs> the thing, the great thing about um, the Romans is they came up with a fi fighting thing called a shield wall. They would close ranks, put their shields, because they were pretty tall, together, and the guys behind them would put their shields on top of it and bring them back on so many degrees. And they would have this wall that was taller than them. So a bigger army could come running at them, we're going to get you. And as soon as the other army got close enough, there was guys back behind them with javelins that would come through the wall and stick the guy in front of them. And if they got closer than what the javelins were, they would take out their swords and go like this. And it would come through the sword and stick the guy who is attacking. Then the opposing army would go, oh, we're bleeding, and they run away. And then they would do it again. And they would think, oh, we got more than they do. And they would attack and attack. Then they would try shooting arrows, but because the wall came up over their heads, the arrows would bounce off their shields. And this is how they went. And then they would start their march. 
And they would make this wall really tight and they would just march with their swords and their spears coming through the wall and it terrified the enemy. So they could take a smaller army and go up against somebody, but somebody had to come up with this idea. Some general, some Roman general came up with this idea and said, hey, this is a new way of doing warfare than just running at each other and hacking each other. Ah! You, you, you've seen the old middle the movies, right? They just run at each other. Ah, and they start hacking each other up. Arms fly here and legs go there. And you might see a head swinging through the air. <sighs> of course, that's how golf was invented, you know. <laughs> the head went flying through the air and down a rabbit hole, and that's how golf was invented. So, uh, no, 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 that's not really. <laughs> that's not. That's not. No. Uh, well, it was it was invented in Scotland, so who knows what those Scots were doing? So, um, I'm Scottish too, so I can say that. Um, now, now let's finish this. Let's finish this section of verse here. Or else, now the king figures out, oh man, I only got 10,000, he's got 20,000, my guys aren't that well trained, they're all short, and they're all tall, um, and I just heard he has horses. So, man, we're not going to be able to beat these guys up, we're not going to win. So, what does he do in verse 32, Jesus says, or else, while the other is still a great way off, what does he do? He sends a delegation, right, and asks for conditions of peace. Do you know that's one way of planning to win? I don't know what in the world happened in Helsinki. I can't, I'm, I wasn't there. I was not a fly on the wall. But can you imagine? 2016, we were this close to going to war with Russia. Very close. Because two leaders were really ticked off with each other. Election happens, and we have no idea why we're... What happened over there? But you know what? Maybe somebody sat down and saw, can we win a war? A nuclear war? Hmm. Can we win a nuclear war? No. The only way you win a nuclear war is you blow up the earth and whoever has the most people, you win. The problem is, the United States and Russia are the only two countries in the world that if they blew up the same bomb at the same time on the opposite ends of the earth, it would eradicate all life on earth. People forgotten that. We have the bomb, they got the bomb. This is why the Cold War was a scary time for most of us who grew up during it. Thank God the, the kids who have grown up through the 90s and this century haven't had to have that fear. You guys have had to deal with 9-11, that's bad enough. But we can eradicate life on this planet as we know it the, between the Russians and the United States. We don't need any help from anybody else. We don't need any other crazies in the world to do it. I don't know what happened. Maybe he counted the cost and says there's no way of winning. Let's try to get along. I don't know. We'll know, we'll figure it out. But I think, you know what? Maybe it's better to get along with people than always trying to kill them. What, is, what does the Bible say? If I slap hell really hard on the face, you were supposed to move your head, but you didn't have to. What does the Bible say? He's supposed to stick his chin out and go, okay, do this one too. 
Another thing that's hard for us to get, but you know that's what God tells us, is the best thing to go ahead, is to go ahead, it's better to be a peacemaker than making war. It's easy to make war. <laughs> you kids have grown up since 2000 know how easy it is for us to make war. Have we not, since 2011, have we not been at war? And it's 2018? So he says, go ahead. But if we're going to plan, we better work it because otherwise it's just a dream. Let me, let me stop that before I almost forgot I was going to tell you something. One of the ways we're going to plan, and I got this and I didn't have time to get into my, so I put it in my notes here. One of the things we're going to ask ourselves as we plan on how to win this community for Christ. Everybody keeps on telling me, well, how are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? And I look at them, I don't know. We've got to find out from the Lord. And you know what? We've got to take advantage of all the millennials that are in our church. You know why? They love being connected more than any generation before them. And they're the largest generation. So can you imagine you get a bunch of the largest generation that's ever lived on the planet, if we can get them on fire for Jesus, oh my word, how cool would that be? Anyway, it closed on me. How can we make, now listen, how can we make the community better around us is the question we're going to start trying to ask and we're going to try to answer and we're going to plan for. Jason, that, that is a question that goes to everything we've been asking. How can we make the community better around us? But we keep on asking, well, what's the needs of our community? What is it? What's this? What's that? Well, we know this is going on. We know that's going on. But how do we take... No, the question really is, is how can we make the community better around us? And as we're making it better, we start telling them about Jesus. But how is the community going to know that we love them if we're just sitting in our four walls all the time? We need to start planning and taking the church outside of our four walls and doing church outside in the community. We did that with Vacation Bible School. But pastor, we did that inside. Yeah, but we had to have a place to do it. That's what this is. This is our, just our barn. And when we do something like Vacation Bible School, that's doing church in the community. You know what turns people off today? It's when they go to a church and they're so inward focused on their own needs. We need to start seeing the needs of our community and how are we going to change it for the better? Come on. Think about it. Isn't that a better way of looking at it? I mean, everybody here, I know you guys, everybody here can get behind that. How can we make it better? I don't know where to put it. <laughs> to be counted a disciple of to be counted as a disciple of Jesus. Let's look at that. Ah, she's got it up there. Isn't she good? She got it up there for me really quick. <laughs> I thought I'd make it a little easier for us to follow. That's why I did it. I set it up this way. And the cool thing is now um, the church has all these programs that I have on my computer. Is now on our church's um, computers. And it says here, 
So likewise, okay, whoever of you, he's talking to you, he's talking to me, does not forsake all that he has, cannot be my disciple. Oh, you went from planning back to this? No, Jesus did it that way. He went ahead and he says, to be a disciple, you've got to be able to be a planner and work the plan. But you've got to be able to put me first. And that's the problem we have today. It's the problem of the boomers. And I got, I got some good news. The, the rebellious generation, the boomers, are coming to church and returning to church. That's exciting to me. Now if we can just get the Gen Xers straightened out, we'll have it all made. <laughs> you see, you know what the Bible says? Every gener we have to learn to speak to every generation. We've got to learn to speak their language and how to reach them. But Jesus says here, so likewise, if you, if whoever does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Wow. Let me ask you a question. Is that too much to ask? Hmm? Is that too much to ask? To be a living sacrifice for Jesus? But pastor, I... I, 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 I yeah, 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 I know. The problem is, it's full, so much full of I, you're not full enough of Jesus. The problem is, you haven't taken yourself off of the throne of your heart and let Jesus sit down. And you know what? That's every generation's problem. I, the only reason I've been mentioning the millennials, I just got done reading a book about... All, from 2011 about millennials. And there's more to be excited with them, about them than being annoyed with them. And I even hear millennials today now picking on themselves because they, they know the annoying part. But there's so much positive that the millennials have to bring to the table. That we need to go ahead and, and, and our general overseers named them instead of the millennial generation, he calls them the Jeremiah generation. And so whenever you hear about the Jeremiah generation, he's talking about all the millennial pre preachers, men and women, missionaries, and he's excited about it, and he, bring, he sits down with lunch with them, and the leaders do it, and they have kids in, and uh, they'll sit down and they'll talk with them, and... Um, we're doing things I wish we had done when I first started preaching, when I first started pastoring. There's no reason why one of these young preachers can't be successful today because they all have mentors. And that is so cool. We haven't always done it that way. We've always said, I got an opportunity for you. Go for it and work your butt off and make it happen. Sure! Da, 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 the, jump on your horse. Da, 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 I have no idea what I'm doing. Stop, horse, stop. Yeah, that's the problem. Somebody should have mentored the guy as he's riding the horse. Ah! He should. <clears throat> anyway. Plus, you don't want to pull back on the reins too hard. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, that's true, too. That's true, too. But is it too much to be, live as a living sacrifice? Is it too much to go ahead and say, Jesus, I'm going to put you first? Is it too much? Is it too much to say, Lord, I'm going to give you everything? I'm going to give you my checkbook. I'm going to give you my kids. I'm even going to give you my sex life. Come on. Shock that Jesus, the Bible actually put in there because Jesus wrote the book through the Holy Spirit, through the people who wrote. Shock that he says that the marriage bed is supposed to be holy and keep it that way. Shock. You know, we didn't invent sex. God did. And for all the husbands here, we think it's a pretty good creation. I am not answering for the women here. Because I ain't one. We need to turn it all over to him and he says, don't do something, we shouldn't do it. I mean, think about that. Can we put Jesus first? Can we be counted as a disciple? Can we take up our cross and follow him? Is it too much to ask? Paul answers this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I believe there's a day coming that we better be living up to this Otherwise, there'll be forces who say, you don't believe in the word of God, so you have to do as we say. What do you mean? Come with me to Canada this morning. Let's go over the border. We'll sneak across, you know, because not everybody here has their passport, right? And they're talking about building their own wall. <laughs> anyway, um, because of all those Americans sneaking across, you know. But <laughs> hey, I love Canada. I, we, we've got relatives up there, so I love Canada. But go up there. They have laws where they control the church up there. And if you do not hold to the line of the Word of God up there, and you actually hold to your doctrine you deviate just a little bit from your doctrine or what the word of God says you can be sued why because if you go up there and you say from the pulpit this thing right here thing one right here is sin that is sin thing one is sin okay that is sin that's horrible sin 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 but then later on, you're out there and saying, oh, we're going to excuse thing one. 
And we're not going to make people live up to that. But we'll say it from the pulpit because we're supposed to. You know what? You've opened up yourself to everybody who loves sin, thing one. Oh, we're suing you. And you know what? That's how they've gone ahead and controlled churches up there and made them change the meaning of the Word of God. I don't want to deal with, we know what sin is. I'm not going to bring up the big, you know, thing that they're doing it to the churches, huh? Just know that's what they're doing. And so I was told by a pastor who pre pastored in Canada, they have, he says, the one thing that's made the church do is live up to the book. So we got to live up to the book. Even though we have all this freedom to do whatever we want, you know what, yeah, God's given us a free will to choose before the, this country was ever born. But you know what? We better choose Jesus and live up to how God wants us to do it. Amen? Is it reasonable for God to ask after what Jesus paid so that we could be saved? Isn't it reasonable? Think about it. And God's not trying to be mean and spoil our fun. God's actually trying to protect us from ourselves. Because you know what? Since Adam and Eve, we haven't been doing a very good job, have we? <laughs> Don't you just wish that God would have just swooped in, punched the, punched the snake in the face, and protected us from ourselves? But no, he gave us a free will. Are you going to put me first? That would have been cool, wouldn't it? Coming and swooping in like a superhero and go, pow, right in the kisser. And hit the snake so hard the devil felt it. Think about that. I can't say that he would have punched him so hard that his mama would have felt it because he might have been the first snake created. But um, <laughs> snakes used to be cool looking, they used to have legs and feet and walk around. But because the they got used by the devil. God took that all away, and they have to crawl on their bellies. In fact, the Bible says they were the most beautiful of all, all of God's creation on earth, all the, all the animals. And you know what? You look at a lot of the snakes. They are pretty colors, aren't they? You know? But then God went ahead and said part of the, part of the punishment is man's not going to like you, snakes. You're, they're going to be scared of you. And, and you know what? It's a good thing because a lot of them, when they bite you, they put poison in you, so it's a good thing to be scared of snakes, you know. But Jesus paid the price for our salvation, so isn't it real reasonable that we put him first, put his word first, we make our decisions according to the word of God? As a married couple, you're trying to make a major decision and you go, you look at each other and say, well, what does God have to say about it? What does he have to do with it? Uh-oh. Now we're going to get ourselves in trouble, aren't we? No. What do you think God thinks about this? Hey, why don't we find out? Let's pray about it. Let's check the word out. Let's make sure we're doing right. Hmm. Before we kill that kid because he's driven us up the wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really simple. I can answer that. Thou shalt not kill. 
except Moses did give the caveat. If your child is so rebellious, that equals witchcraft, and witches you're supposed to take outside of the camp and stone them to death. You know what? Moses was trying to tell the kids, stop being rebellious because your parents who love you, that you're driving up the tent, <laughs> can take you, let the elders of the, of the congregation take you outside of the, and punish you. Problem is, once they're done punishing you, you don't come back. Right? Aren't we glad we live under grace? Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad we don't live under the law, but we live under grace, but we, we, we want to obey the law because it, it, it's our school teacher. Right? To show us why we need Jesus and why we needed His grace in the first place, but we don't become subject to the law anymore. Because we live under grace. And how do we get set free? We take it to the cross. Everything. We get sanctified by going back to the cross. We get rid of that sin by going back to the cross. We get our healing by going back to the cross because where did he shed his blood? And by his stripes we are what? Healed. We go back to the cross. The message of the cross is still real today. And that's what's not being preached enough in the world is the message of the cross. We've taken crosses down from our buildings. We've taken the crosses out of our sanctuaries. We need to get back to the the message of the cross and say hey Jesus has the power to set you free you don't have to be addicted to drugs anymore you don't have to be what they say you are anymore that because you have some mental disorder God can touch you and heal you you don't have to go through those things we got to get back to the message of the cross because some of our kids are hurting and we need to go to the G to the source and go to Jesus Christ and say heal my son because he needs a healing but Lord more than that get a hold of his his mind get a hold of his heart bring him back to his knees to come back to you lord and while he's falling to his knees by the way will you heal him <laughs> come on let's get back to the cross where the, there's power in the blood at the cross at the cross where i first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It's so much. Oh, I have to tell Jason, he gets an A-plus this week for the worship list this week. <laughs> and if you don't understand, everybody who looked at the titles of all the worship songs, they all started with A, so I have to say that. <laughs> this coming week, maybe he'll sing all those songs out of the hymn book that deal with the blood and the cross because it's the blood of, the, of Jesus Christ because it's the fifth Sunday of the month. Yay! And we're going we're gonna to sing the old songs, which for some of you are new songs. <laughs> and, and we're going to say, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin, <laughs> sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Oh, isn't that amazing? Jesus paid the price. So how can we not? Oh, my word. Our young people have been, our young people have bought into it. And I'm not just talking about millennials. I'm talking about uh, anybody younger than the, the greatest generation. They have bought into things because we see so many, even Christians, moving in together. Even Christians, because why? They haven't checked out with the word. Oh, I know what the God says. And do not tell me ever, ever, ever that God told you to do it. I'll tell you why. Because God will never contradict his word. If he says don't do something, he's not going to tell you to do it. If somebody is telling you to do something that's not what God tells you to do, 
you're, you got somebody else speaking to you and you need to rebuke that one. Because remember, the devil will come to you as an angel of light. <laughs> he doesn't come with his pitchfork all the time and his pointy tail and his horns. He comes most of the time as an angel of light to fool you to say, oh, listen, that fruit over there, if you eat of it, you'll be just like God. Wow. You need to tell him, shut up. And by the way, young man, if you love her, isn't she, isn't she a precious jewel that's best waited for? Hmm. Isn't she? I'm telling you something. I'm going to tell you guys something because I'm a guy. It's not her responsibility to keep the gate shut. It's the man's responsibility to protect her. So it's his job to keep the gate shut. If you love her, you're going to cherish her, and she's going to be worth the wait. And let me tell you something. If you're struggling with something right now, as Paul would say, if you're burning, but if you wait and you give it to God, Jason will marry you for free. <laughs> People forget he can do that. <laughs> he can do that. People forget that. You've done at least one, haven't you? I've done one. Yeah, you've done at least one. So Jason will do it for free. If you have put God first and he is so thrilled with you, that'll be his wedding gift to you. But if you come to him later, then he's going to charge you a lot of money. And, and, and he'll be happy. To, if you come to, and you go ahead and do contrary to the word of God and say, finally, well, you know, we better get this thing right. Yes, you do. And he's going to charge you a hundred bucks. And, and because that, that's the cheap rate. It, it didn't happen that way, but I was given that money. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> and so I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll do it for free. I'll do it for free because I love you so much. I want to see your marriage successful. I'll tell you why. Because if you put God first from the beginning of your marriage, your marriage will be much happier than if you go ahead and put yourself first. It's hard. I know you guys, I feel for everybody. We got so much media bombarding us all the time. You know, and I'm not just talking about radio with the love songs, you know, and television with their stupid stories. And, 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 but we got our phones. It comes, it comes right to us. We'll be on Instagram. Our friends are, we're on Instagram and our friends are talking about, ooh, and, and it's right in our faces. <clears throat> and you know what? We're, our brain is like a computer in. Garbage goes in and garbage will come out. But if we start filling it with the Word of God, it will control the garbage that comes in and filter it. Yeah. Trust me, I'm not trying to... And boy, I, I'm, I wasn't trying to meddle in anybody's relationships this morning. I just want you to be everything that God has called you to be. And I'll tell you what... I want you to have the most loving relationships that you could ever have. Because if we're going to change this community, we got to love this community. How are we going to change this community for the better if we don't live and believe what we, the Word of God? How are we going to change it and, and plan to go out there and do it if we can't go out there and say we're a living sacrifice for Jesus, so I'm going to get out of my comfort zone?
Come on. We're the church of the disenfranchised. And we got some people who are hurting, but if we can't love one another, and we can't care, and this is why we have to be a church, that even though we plan everything out to the millisecond, we have a plan on how the worship serves, if we don't allow, if our plan doesn't allow room for the Holy Spirit to move and to change the order of things, we're in trouble. Because we got people who need help from the Lord Jesus Christ. Were we able to save ourselves? No. But Jesus paid the price so we could be saved. Are we ready to surrender our lives to Jesus and say, Jesus, I give you my everything? Ooh, did you realize the songs that we sang, how they come in with this word today? And I was not influenced by, because I didn't get the list until after I had the sermon done. <laughs> that's, that's the amazing thing about Jesus. He is able to bring everything together. Amen. So let us live for the Lord. Let us live for the Lord. And by the way, girls, since I talked to all the guys, start seeing yourself as God sees you, as a precious jewel. You should desire to have the guy who loves you to see you like Jesus loves, sees you and loves you. So precious. So precious. By the way, you know what's cool about that? Make something look, you know, she gets all excited about the wedding and planning and all that stuff. But also, and then all of a sudden, you get the wedding part over with about 20 minutes to a half hour, and that's all done with. Man, we just got all that time. We bought the dress. We got all this stuff. We spent all this money, and it was over in 30 minutes and then then you go ahead you go to the reception and you dance and you you get excited and you party with all your friends and family to celebrate your wedding but you know what wouldn't it be cool to have a now what what do we have we got something to look forward to think about that study the jewish wedding in the Bible. He, he has to go prepare for possibly up to a year to get the house built, the shelves on the walls, the pictures are hung straight because the mothers are going to come and inspect. And then the fathers are going to show up and make sure you have enough money in the bank and you got your business going and everything is going good and they'll, they'll tell the boy, okay, you got the green light. Then he gets his buddies together and they travel to where the bride is. And the whole thing culminates on the wedding night. They have a wonderful wedding. They carry them around in chairs. And they dance with them. And they do all this stuff. And they have the big party and everybody celebrates. But the whole main event was not the wedding where you came together in the white dress and the tuxedo. The whole main event was when the two of you were all alone. Wouldn't that be cool? What a main event, huh? Jesus paid it all. And you know what? Jesus is coming back for his bride. And we're going to have a main event when we become one with our Savior at the end of time. Because the whole second coming is about a wedding. 
and we become one with God. Mm, let us pray. Lord Jesus, <laughs> I don't know what people are thinking out at home, Lord, listening to this message. But Lord, I thank you for what you're doing here in the building, in our living room here, Lord, in our living space. We thank you, Lord, that we can surrender our lives to you. And Lord, it's reasonable to put you first. Oh, Lord Jesus, if Adam and Eve would have just put you first, we wouldn't be in the mess. We, there would be no cancer. There would be no sin. There would be no death. There wouldn't be no wars. There wouldn't be any pestilence. There wouldn't be mosquitoes biting us. There wouldn't be weeds to pull. Oh, how wonderful that would be, Lord Jesus. Mm. But Lord, it's going to be that way one day. Lions wouldn't be trying to eat us. Oh, that'd be cool, Lord. So, Lord Jesus, I just thank you that we can surrender to you and live for you and take up our cross and follow you and be obedient to you. And, Lord, we will find that you have such blessings that we can't contain. And, Lord, that we will find that things go so much better in our lives. Oh yes, we'll still have challenges, we'll still have problems, but because, Lord, we put you first, we'll find that we have easy solutions and solutions that are best for us. Even when they seem hard, they'll be easier than what the world offers. So we just praise you, Lord, and we thank you. Lord, again, we pray for those who are sick in body again, those, especially those who aren't here with us today. We ask you, Lord, that you would just heal them in Jesus' name. Lord, you went to the cross so that we could be made whole, sins forgiven, but also, Lord, to be made whole and well in you. So again, we lift up Marilyn today and we lift up Scott, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to heal both of them in Jesus' name. And we thank you for this. And we thank you, Lord, that you will help us in our relationships, Lord. Help us, Lord, to see by putting you first in our relationships, it really means we love the other person even more. So we just thank you, Lord, and we praise you for this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, <laughs>